So give me something to believe, because all... Because I am living just to breathe. I was really impacted by that lyric from the Bravery song. Because it really reflected to me about maybe the state of a lot of us in our lives. That we are just living to breathe. And, and kind of in the middle of the difficulty and the hardship that we're experiencing. That we're just breathing. You know, when I was listening to Josh make announcements, I thought when I was thinking about the homeless shelter that we've been invited to be a part of and, and to help. And, and, and it's a big give. It's, it's a big ask. I mean, that means going down to the homeless shelter, um, spending the night there, feeding, being exposed to COVID. I'm, I'm just telling you straight up. Um, it's it's going to be real life stuff. But after 38 degrees, these folks have nowhere to go. And so the city opens up a shelter and uh, needs somebody to feed them while they're there, stay the night with the police and just kind of make sure everything goes okay. And, and it's like, wow, that is, that is really intense ministry. But I think it is just the cry of what we see out of the lyrics here uh, to give me something to believe because those folks are just breathing and they need something more. And think about it, at 38 degrees, I don't even like my cat and I'll bring my cat in at 38 degrees. I mean, I, I, we have cats. Uh, I don't like them, but they're there, and I will love them. But at 38 degrees, I don't even let little, little Frisky stay outside any longer. I bring them. And so the city's asking us to partner with them for these people who have lost purpose and meaning in their lives, and just breathing is a difficult task. But I don't think they're the only ones. I think as we've been facing the difficulties of 2020, I think we realize that sometimes we just seem like we're breathing. So much stuff is just going on around us. So we learned about becoming a learner and that God is drawing us out of the well of our, of our familiarity. He's drawing us out of the well of the waters that we normally drink from as far as how we live our lives. And I think all of us as Americans have seen the end of certain things occur or the challenges of new things begin to emerge. And that well that we were drinking from as maybe, you know, uh, uh, maybe if you're like me and you were born in the 50s and that there was a well that you drank from. If you are, you are a white baby boomer male in the United States, there was a well that you drank from and, and now that well is, has been spoiled and it needed to be spoiled. And, um, but I think every one of us, we drink from the well of experiences, uh, victimization, uh, biases, racism, all, all kinds of things that we drink from. And, and I think 2020 has realized that I can't drink from that water anymore. It, it doesn't have the, the ability to empower me to do what God wants me to do. And so we're, we're learners. We're those who are ready and open and engaging life-changing truth in Christ-likeness. I mean, we're willing to engage. And, and when I say engage truth, I'm talking about truth that goes perpendicular to your life. We learned about, we all like parallel learning when we learn about something that affirms the direction that we're already going. Where it gets difficult is when learning becomes perpendicular. In the insurance world, they call that an accident. It's when two objects hit each other and there's a perpendicular moment and there's a learning when airbags are going off. When we learn difficult things, when God challenges us about the wells that we're drinking from, sometimes you feel the impact. 
Sometimes you feel the difficulty. You know, I heard a statistic that no matter how brawny you are, I don't care if you're a, a super gym person. I mean, you're like, you're buff like that gal in uh, Mandalorian, or you're, um, you're just like Arnold Schwarzenegger. You know that any accident over 35 miles an hour, that your arms collapse in the accident that nobody can have such big biceps and triceps and forearms and all that stuff and wrists that at, at 35 miles an hour, even the strongest person collapses. I think we're in the middle of a time where a lot of us are experiencing some impact in our lives and all of our strength that we relied on, our ability to keep things stable, sane, moving in the right direction, all of a sudden we find ourselves kissing an airbag. And, I, and, and in the middle of all this, God wants us to learn new truths, to learn something that will strengthen us and prepare us for the future. But he's also calling us to be leaders. And I define leader as this, one who lives with the courage and the determination to help bring about God's best in all situations and in others. That's a leader. It's somebody, first of all, who has courage. And we need courage today. Somebody that has determination, but, but not just determination to get the job done, but to bring about God's best in another person or in a really bad situation. Leadership can look a lot of different ways, and, there's, and I think we've experienced. There's the business perspective of leadership and how you do things and networking and all that, and, and that's really cool. And you go to these management seminars and how to be a good supervisor and how to be a good boss. And... Then there's the military version of leadership. I like that one particularly. I have to be honest with you. I mean, you don't have to really like anybody. You could just tell them if they have a lower rank, then you could just tell them what they need to be doing. Uh, but that is a form of leadership. It doesn't work in marriage, but it does work in the military. Then there's sports leadership. You know, the quarterback gets the huddle going, and he communicates there. But it's a really limited thing, limited leadership. There's family leadership. There's church leadership. And there's, so there's leadership in a lot of different forms that we experience. But at the root of the life of Christ emerges an objective in leadership. And it comes to us from our song, giving them something to believe. The scripture Matthew talks about, he came to a people who were sitting in the shadow of darkness. Um, this idea that people had lost hope in something. They had lost value in themselves. They didn't see themselves connected to what God was doing, and they were sitting in darkness. And Jesus comes to them to give them something to believe. And today, we are desperate for something to believe. We've looked to the political realm. We've looked to the medical realm. We've looked at all kinds of places to try to give us something to believe. And we're finding that so many of these wells cannot be drunk from any longer. Spouses are looking for something to believe from their mate every single day. You know, I've been married 30, 33, 34 years, someplace in there. And um, even though we have a great, wonderful, incredible marriage, uh, and it, every single day I try to live to give my wife something to believe you know, um, my wife does the same with me, something to believe. You know, and you can tell when somebody doesn't believe in something any longer, particularly in a marriage. 
You can tell, I mean, it, it, it begins to work out from how you do dinners together or you, or you, you watch shows together. You know, is she watching her TV? You're watching your TV. You know, then the sleeping arrangements begin to change. The postures in the bedroom begin to change and all that, that when something. And, and so what happens is a lot of people get married and they put this ring on, your, on the finger and they say, okay, I, this is it. But every single day, we've got to connect our spouses with something to believe, something to hope in, something that they know that they are connected to something good. Kids need something to believe in. Oh, kids are desperate for something to believe. Because in the middle of all this noise from CNN and Fox and, and from Dr. Fauci and, and Trump and Biden and, and the schools and all the other places where they're getting information, they need, to, they need to hear a sound. They need to know. They need to see somebody that's connecting them to something that they believe, something that's greater than themselves. And they don't just need information. They don't need to just be told what to believe. They need to be given a path of belief. This is the days of men saying to their kids, you need to shut up and go to church with your mom. Okay, I don't know how many of you got that, but you know, you just got to shut up, shut up and go to church with your mom. Well, dad, aren't you coming to church? No, I don't, I don't do the church thing. But you need to go to church, you know? And it's like, you know, the days of just giving somebody information and expecting them to grab a hold of it and to live it and experience God's best, that's over. Now is a time where the path of belief needs to be uh, dug out the example of belief, the benefit of belief. You know, leadership is a funny thing because we, we do get kind of puffed up about leadership, don't we? You know, it's like, well, I'm a leader. I'm a leader in the PTA. I'm a, I'm a leader in the community. Uh, you know, um, you know we, we get puffed up about it. I don't know why. We take all those little tests. Have you ever taken them like the, the disc test? You know, where, where you kind of find out what your personality trait is. And I think disc, doofus, idiot, so, uh, something like that. It has all have, have these letters. And you kind of, most of us kind of hope that we get the leadership profile, don't we? Nobody really gets the profile that is, oh, you're, you're going to be somebody who's going to be in the background. And you're going to hold the flashlight on him while he shines. But you're not really going to be amount to anything. Your job is just to make them really good at what they do. Nobody really wants that job, but we all, you know, so we go through it, whether it's the disc, whether it's Myers-Briggs, whether it's the Enneagram, or whether it's a, a placard at a Chinese restaurant where you look down and while you're waiting for your food to come, you're looking around, see if you're a snake, a rat, a rabbit, uh, you know, all the different things. Anybody else been to a Chinese restaurant lately? It's still okay to say Chinese. Okay, I just want to let you know. Um, and, but, you know, you look around and you say, well, I would, you know, I want to be something really powerful, something about leadership. We use names for the guy or gal that's in charge as the big kahuna or the boss man, the big cheese, the head honcho, the big wig. Uh, whatever the phrase may be, we use those phrases to define the person who's in leadership. Rather, it's about us connecting the will and the life of Christ to those we are responsible for. You know, I think a lot of us dream of the day that we will uh, be our own bosses. I remember somebody trying to get me interested in Amway. And um, I'm not saying anything bad about Amway at this moment. And so, uh, but I, they tried to get me involved in Amway. And the, and, and the big thing that they wanted to hook me on, don't you want to be your own boss one day? Don't you want to say goodbye to the American corporate world and be your own boss? 
is like, maybe that is like a hook or a, a worm that the American fish bites on, but that's the idea is that we're gonna be our boss one day and we have the sense of fulfillment once I'm in charge. But when it comes to Christ, when I think about it, we're never called to be the boss, but rather we are, for our leadership, it's middle, middle management. It really is. There's, we're middle management when it comes to Christ. Because we're not the boss, but yet God wants us to lead. And, you know, and today, if you take it even further as Christians, we're called to be in the middle of it, management. Is that we need leadership in the middle of COVID-19, in the middle of divorce, in the middle of a bad marriage, in the middle of a broken family, in the middle of uh, racism, in the middle of uh, inequality, whatever it may be. We need leadership in the middle of it. We need in the middle of it management. Someone that is connected with God, that can connect with other people and give them something to believe in. That's the calling that God has for us as leaders. So, as we live in the middle of adversity and we live in the middle of uncertainty, real leadership is not escaping it but rather providing leadership, connecting people to hope. I hear so many Christians, and, they'll, and, and I'm not trying to judge you if you say this, but if you have, maybe, maybe you'll you know, kind of like oh, rethink it. But you know, it's like, um, well, you know, America's just going to hell in a handbasket. You know? And it's like, well, good, thanks for your leadership. Thanks for your commentary. I mean, so that's, that's what you got, is just going to tell us we're going to hell in a handbasket. Or I can't wait for Jesus to come back and rapture the church off the planet. And it's like, you know, that's escapism. That's not leadership. I know, I don't, personally, I don't want Jesus to come back because I like being middle management. If he comes back, it's all gonna be done. I mean, I, I want something to do. I don't wanna live just living to breathe. I wanna be a part of connecting people to something bigger than themselves, something that gives meaning and purpose. And so, God is calling us to be in the middle of this. This is our time. Say, so really, COVID-19 is our time? Yes, it's our time. People are scared to death. This church is going to get smaller before it gets bigger. I'm just telling you it. It's going to get smaller before it gets bigger. Why? It's because some of you are going to be terrified from coming back to church. The terror is going to just get louder and the noise is gonna get louder and shutdowns are going to occur. It's just the way that it's going to go. And, but we're going to have to decide not whether or not we're gonna make a political or church versus state statement. I'm not into all that. But, but rather, are we going to forfeit our leadership? You know, and you don't have to come to this church in order to do that. But are we going to continue to just drift along with our culture or are we going to begin to be a buoy in the middle of the ocean that helps lost ships find their reckoning? Are we going to connect people with something bigger than themselves? Give people something to hope in, something to stand for. Let me show you a story um, that Jesus reveals and, and, and talks about. It really is a story about prayer, but I, I thought it also illustrated the power of leadership. But let me show you how um, leadership plays out in this particular story that may change the way you think about it. Luke chapter 11, verse five. And then Jesus said to them, suppose 
one of you has a friend, and he goes to him at midnight and says, friend, lend me three loaves of bread, because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. Then the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked, and my children are with me in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him bread because he is his friend, yet because of the man's boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. See, when I used to read this story, I used to read this story about two people. And it's really easy to read the story and see only two people in the story. But there's three people in this story. Um, there's the guy with the bread. There's the guy asking for bread. And then there's the guy on the journey that needs the bread. So the story is a story of three. And I, I, think, it, I think it perfectly illustrates um, leadership. It, it, it really is beautiful. It kind of looks like this. The leadership structure is working like this. We have a friend with a friend with a friend. And they're connected together through this relationship. So when I look at that equation, I ask myself the question, well, okay, so this is a leadership story. So who's the leader in the story? Well, one of the things that you need to see is it's not the guy with the bread. And the reason why this is so impactful is because in America, we think that having money, having affluence, and having stuff makes you powerful, makes you a leader because you've got stuff. It may give you power, but it doesn't mean you're empowered. And there is a difference. See, the guy in the story is not, with the bread, is not the guy who's the leader. He's just got power, but he does not have leadership. The leader is the friend who goes to a friend for help for another friend. And without this guy in the middle, the middle friend, the equation looks like that. Okay? That's what the equation looks like. We have stranger and stranger. If stranger one on the journey comes and knocks on stranger two's door for bread and keeps persisting, getting the bread and pounding and, and all that, he's going to get buckshot through the front door. I mean, that's what's going to happen. We're going to have stranger on stranger. The equation changed because why? There's not a leader in the middle of it. There is not a in the middle of it leadership. And that's where we are. We've got God here, we've got the world, our family, our wives, our husbands, our children, our school district here, and these two may be strangers to each other, but someplace in the middle, there has got to be an in-the-middle-of-it manager, leader, who decides to connect this resource with this need, this love with this self-loathing, for this forgiveness with this guiltiness. There needs to be somebody in the middle that connects the two of them together. I love it. He uses its influence to meet the needs of others, even though the other friends have never met. And he never pretends he's the bread giver. You know, he doesn't act like, hey, I had some bread, I thought I'd give it to you. He's like, no, you stay here, I don't have any bread. 
but I'm gonna go find bread from another relationship that I have, and I'm gonna bring that bread to you. Say, this is, this is Christmas. See, we were sitting in the shadow of our own guiltiness, and we were stuck there, and God is nothing but a celestial stranger. But all of a sudden, Christ comes to the earth, and what is he? Middle management. He's in the middle of it with us, tempted by, by things just like we are, hurt by things just like we are, challenged by things just like we are. He is in the middle of it. But that in the middle leadership of Jesus connects God the Father to the people of the earth. That's what we're celebrating at Christmas, is middle management. It's absolutely beautiful. Biblical leadership is always connecting someone to something bigger than yourself. And we connect people to Christ. Now, can I make sure you see that part? Connecting people to something bigger than yourself. Because most of the time, we want to connect people to us. And I'm just going to tell you a little secret about pastors. Now, this may be old news, because I, the more pastors I meet, the more I see that they are being transformed and loving God. I mean, we live in a city where there's a lot of really great churches, where there's men and women of God. But I can t speak for myself 10 years ago that whenever you would come to Crosstown and you'd light Crosstown and all of a sudden you disappear and I run into you in the grocery store, well, you know, and you say, well, well we decided to go to Seacoast. Seacoast had more stuff for this and then more stuff. And Seacoast is an amazing church. And it's like, but, you know, I'd be, that's the last time I'm talking to you in this stupid Harbor Freight store. You know, we're done. I'm done with you. You don't come to Crosstown? No, 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 no. You don't get an angel tree gift from us. You go to Seacoast, you know? Well, what is that all about? What was all that mamby-pamby stuff all about? It's because there was a time when pastors, when churches, was it's, biblical leadership is all about connecting you to me, making me feel good about being a pastor. But that's not what it's about. I'm not looking for you to connect to Crosstown and to love this church. I'm not going to give you a t-shirt that says, I love my church. I want to connect you to the Heavenly Father. And I want you to get connected to the Heavenly Father wherever, whatever church presents the Heavenly Father's love to you. See, it's not connecting you to me. It's connecting you to something bigger. See, dads, I know you could bully your kids. You're big and strong. And that little boy of yours is only four years old. And you can scare the crap out of him anytime you want. Son, get over here. You know, and, and you can have him stand there and you can feel like a big man over your kids. That's not leadership. Leadership is connecting your son to something bigger than you. When we think we're the biggest person in the room or the sexiest person in the room or the smartest person in the room, and we, what we're trying to do is we're connect, trying to connect people to us. But God's looking for biblical leadership where I connect you to something bigger than me. It's, you know, that's why when people say, Pastor, I love this church and you're just so awesome and all this stuff, I, I, if you ever come up to me and say something like that, I'll just smile at you like, like, you know, it's like my ears are gutters. They're, the water's going in and it's rolling out onto the floor right afterwards. Because I know I can do absolutely nothing for your life. I know that I am not big enough. I know that my skills are not big enough to lead you to the gates of heaven. I know that what I personally have to offer cannot make you love your wife or forgive your husband. 
I know that I got to connect you to something bigger. That's biblical leadership. And I love it. It's like this guy didn't even have stuff, but he still, but he still stepped into the leadership equation. We talked about the warming shelter. Um, I, yeah, I'm, I'm not, you know, I can't educate those people. I mean, I, 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 don't, I don't have it. Uh, all they need is bread. I mean, well, I don't even have the bread. Well, the city said, well, we got the bread. We got the pots and pans. We got the bunks, the sleeping bags, and all that stuff. We just need the guy on this side of equation to, touch, to be connected to that and stand in the middle and connect the resource to the person. That's the Christian faith in a nutshell. That's Christian leadership in a nutshell. We connect people to Christ. We are connecting people to something to believe, to believe in God, to believe that he has value for their lives, to believe in his purpose for their lives, to believe, you know what's the hardest thing to convince somebody is that they're forgiven. To believe that God has forgiven them. And that, that shame has no place in their lives. Man, stuff like shame does not just go away when two strangers perform religious acts together. That's, you know, going to a stale, cold church and worshiping a stale, cold God that you're not connected with doesn't bring about any transformation in a person's life. But when a Christ steps into this situation... When a Christ lover steps into a situation, then all of a sudden the connection's made and, and the reality of that person's life is transformed. So ask yourself, as a husband or as a wife or as a single individual or as a parent, as a friend, as a boss, as an employee, but most of all, as a Christian, do you lead as middle management or do you have to be the head honcho? You know, my way or the highway. We're going to watch what I want to watch. We're going to eat what I want to eat. We're going to go on vacation where I'm going. Well, they don't agree with me, therefore I'm going to walk out of the room. I mean, how do we lead? Do we, do, we, do we lead only if we're in charge, or can we possibly lead from middle management? Or this, do I desire the power of bread or the role of connecting source to need? I can't tell you many, how many, I'm telling you, I would be such a rich man. If every person that had ever came up to me and, and to Mr. Ben and to uh, Pastor Ben and to Pastor Stokes and Pastor Allen, if they came up and, and that said, will you please pray for my finances and I have this great opportunity, it's gonna make a lot of money, $1.5 million if this deal goes through and, and then we're gonna, we're gonna bless the church if it happens. You know, and, and my, at the beginning years of my time, I would be like, oh my gosh, I, I got a guy who's a potential millionaire and he's gonna, so well, he's gonna buy a building for us and we're gonna get new projectors and, and new cribs for the kids and children's church is gonna get better. I can hire a youth minister. And I remember getting, oh God, please help Sam get that deal, make it go through Lord God and your kingdom will be. I can tell you, I don't know, and Ben, you can correct me if I'm wrong. Out of all the hundreds of people who have promised that, I don't think, I know of one that followed through on it. Not one. Why? Because they wanted the bread, but not connecting, using bread to connect people to God. So let me ask you in your journey, are you, are you, are you trying to get bread? Is that what your life is all about? Storing up as much bread as possible? Because it may be power, but it doesn't mean you're empowered. 
Having stuff may mean that you, you uh, have a lot of resources, but it doesn't mean you're a leader. And so we've got to ask ourselves, am I just somebody, am I a hoarder, spiritual hoarder? I, w- I was thinking about in between services, there's a, a phrase in computer world. You guys know what a link is, right? Uh, and most of you know what a link is. And, you know, it's something that, like on a bicycle, that connects one link to another link. And, you know, and you lose the middle one link and the whole thing doesn't work. But there's this thing called a hyperlink, okay? And a hyperlink on a web page is usually blue or in a document that whenever you go to it, it will be like a word will appear and it's blue or it has a blue underline to it. Well, what does that mean? It means that that link is going to take you someplace. If you click on that, all of a sudden you're going to be taken off the page to another resource. See, we're hyperlinks. That's what we're called to be. That when we encounter a person's life, when somebody clicks on our life, we all of a sudden automatically take them to connect them to another page and God's page about their lives. Take them out of the story of their own life and connect them to the story of God. That we're supposed to be like giant hyperlinks. That we take people, we're not just people who are just, you know, just regular words that got a lot of bread. Wow, he's got a nice house, got nice cars, got a boat, got this, got that. It's like, wow. Hey, that's a lot of, a lot of, a lot of resources. Yeah, and that doesn't mean you're a hyperlink. You could just be a good old American hoarder. So leadership is connecting God to people who are in need. Uh, let me ask you this: Do you give people something to believe in, and what is it? What is it? Is it your thirst and hunger to make sure everybody knows that Donald Trump's a schmuck? Is that is that your something to believe in? Is it, is it your belief to get everybody scared of COVID-19 and that's what you believe in? Is it, your, is it something to believe in that your ex-husband or your ex-wife or your, somebody's dad or whatever it is or your boss, are you giving them something to believe that is negative about another person? Is that what, you, is that what you're connecting them to? Do you give others something to believe? We all have the potential to be leaders And what I love about this story is that you don't have to be perfect first. You don't have to have a lot of stuff. How many times have I not helped another person that needed help because I just didn't think I had enough? I'm willing to bet most of us don't pull over to help other people fix their cars, not because we're concerned about whether or not we're going to get murdered, but more so because I don't know anything about cars or I don't have jumper cables. Or I, well, what about pulling over anyway? What about pulling over this? You got a phone? Yeah. What about connecting that person with, uh, you know, uh, not Jiffy Lube, uh, somebody? You know, I don't even know what the names of the places are. But, you know, what it, but most of the time we bail out because we don't have the stuff. Here's a, here's a famous one. I don't know enough of the Bible. You know, how much of the Bible am I going to give these guys and gals that are homeless when I go down and stay at that shelter with them? How much of the Bible am I going to give to you? think I'm going to be quoting them verses? No, I'm going to give them bread and some warm soup and getting their cots ready. I mean, that's incarnation. That's God in the flesh bringing resource to another person. And then if they ask me, I'm going to say, Jesus wants you to know that he loves you, even though you're in the middle of all this, that he loves you very much. I'm going to give a cup of cold water, warm soup, in his name. 
We all have to. We don't have to be super smart. We don't have to be biblical scholars. You just have to be willing to connect people to something bigger than yourself. Yeah, see, that's the other one. And I think we, for some reason, I just feel to sit there is just, I always think I have to be the best in the room. Anybody else plagued by that? Please tell me that there's somebody else that's plagued by the desire to be the smartest or the best in the room. Not because so I can make you smaller. I don't want to hurt anybody. I don't want to make anybody feel stupid. Okay, I, I have no desire for that. I just want to feel I'm capable. I think we all want to feel that we're capable. And so many of us pull back from leadership because we just don't feel capable. Well, this guy in this story, he didn't have bread. He was incapable of feeding the man with the journey. But he had one of these, and he did this. So many of us are pulling back from leadership because we think we're incapable. But capability was never a prerequisite. It was a compassionate heart. It was being connected to something greater than yourself. So that takes us back to kind of an inventory for this closing moment, but it takes us back to asking ourselves, am I connected to something bigger than myself? Are my kids seeing me connected to God? When the apostle Peter was asked by a beggar outside the, the temple for a coin, Peter kind of did the whole, you know, dude, I don't have any cash on me. I'm just, I just got a debit card. I don't, I don't have any money with me. Thing. I mean, he generally didn't, he didn't have a debit card either, but he didn't have what the guy had asked for. And most of us would be, dude, sorry, dude, man, I'm out. But Peter didn't let what he didn't have deter him from leadership. And Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. So I think we step out of leadership because we feel we don't have enough silver and gold, enough education, uh, enough experience, when really the only thing we've got to ask ourselves is, am I connected to Christ? Am I genuinely connected to Christ? Dads, are you, bring, are you bringing your kids to church for us to save them? Because that's not what church is for. Because I can't save anybody. And, and our youth pastor can't save anybody. But your leadership is to connect them to something greater than us, something greater than you. And they need to know that you are connected to that. They don't want just the facts. They don't want the nursery story. They want a path. They want an example. They want to see it work in somebody's life. Most of you here that have any questions of God do not have questions of God because you lost faith in Scripture in, in the existence of God because of science. Almost none of you. And if you are that person, come see me because I will go toe-to-toe -to -toe with anything that's philosophical that you want to go with. I am confident in whom I have believed. But most of us have fallen out of faith because the person who delivered the information of belief did not show us the path 
or did not live the example. Kids, go to church with your mother. We basically got that. Today, our generation is crying out for leadership. So are you connected to something bigger? Can you connect someone to believe in something bigger? Let me read you the lyrics to this song because I think they echo our children. I think they echo the youth. I've, I mean, I love the youth in our church. They're awesome. We wouldn't have a church if it wasn't for the youth of our church. I mean, they do like 99% of the serving in this church. It's amazing. But when I hear what young people are dealing with, when I hear about marriages, when I hear about culture, when I hear about racism, when I hear the bickering of politics, I hear the lyrics to the song. Listen to how it goes. The faces all around me, they don't smile, they just crack. Waiting for our ships to come, but our ships are not coming back. We do our time like pennies in a jar, but what are we saving for? There's a smell of stale fear that's reeking from our skins. The drinking never stops because the drinks absolve our sins. We sit and grow our roots into the floor, but what are we waiting for? So give me something to believe, cause I'm living just to breathe, and I need something more to keep on breathing for. So give me something to believe. This is a time for us to discard any lingering doubt that we may have about God. This is a time for us to be resolved about us being his children, being a part of his kingdom. It is time for us to be connected to something bigger than ourselves, bigger than this church, bigger than this city, bigger than our gender, our race, our country. We gotta be connected to something bigger like the Apostle Peter, so that we can give them what we have. In a second, you'll be coming and receiving bread. It's interesting that the story was about bread. That Jesus presented us bread representing the brokenness of his body and the poured out blood on our behalf. He came in the middle of it and it broke him right down the middle of him. That's leadership. But we gotta be connected to that kind of love, that kind of truth, so that we can give it to those who are just living life just to breathe. Heavenly Father, thank you so much that on this time of the year that we remember that the head honcho came to earth and became one of us. That you are the ultimate hyperlink, connecting us to forgiveness, to worth, to purpose, to eternal life. God, you did not just call us so that we ourselves would have bread, but that we would go and do likewise that we would break our bread and share it with those in need, that we would connect 
those who are lost with the lover of their souls. Today, Lord God, empower us as we reconnect with you. You are greater than ourselves. Fill us with your Holy Spirit, with your strength. Give us all something worth living for through your Holy Spirit and through your truth. 